the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hey, this is Ricky from Clifton Heights, Delaware County. And it's October 28th. And the Philadelphia Phillies are still playing baseball. How can this be? I am absolutely at a loss of words for what the hell is going on down at the Citizen Bank Park. Bryce Harper's got Zeus's lightning bolt tattooed to his back, and he just grabs it and he uses it for a bat, and he goes, bang, bang, baby. We're going to go down that in Space City. We're going to beat up on those Houston Astros, and I'll tell you one thing. Cheaters, cheating, winners, win, baby. Let's go, What's up, everybody? Ron and John, World Series coming at you. We got limited space here at the house. Alex got the room, so we're going fistful of Mike today, John. Oh, yeah. Fistful of Mike. This is actually round two of our attempt to record this episode, so we're, we're putting in the effort to give you the best quality product for you. Thank God we didn't keep going with the last one. We had snags on the chew toy, on the ones and twos, but... um. We're, we're back, Austin. Yeah. You know what? We're in the fucking World Series, man. How do you feel? Let's go tomorrow night. I'm fired up. It feels great. I mean, look, I think they got a great chance. I, th- I mean, A, it's great to be there. But once you're there, it's like you have to win. Yeah. Right? And I love the fact that they're underdogs. You know, I actually, right before I got on with you, I was watching a video. Um about the Astros, their right fielder, Kyle Tucker. He was talking to the media today, and he was just like, yeah, like we're, we're going to try and make quick work of them. Like four games is, is what we're looking to do. Like, But they're kind of a pretty good team, so it might take us a little bit longer, but we, yeah. you know, we're trying to get it done as quick as possible. And like he had that arrogant look, you know, and talking about like EA, it really brought me back to EA Malvern back yeah. in the day before – and and they got this arrogance about them that they're mm-hmm. walking around like their shit don't sing. And the Phillies, to their credit, they don't talk much. Like no. you don't hear any of that stuff coming out. Like it's just like we're ready to go. We'll be yeah. ready to go. And that like it's just very simple. They go about their business and then they come out and just pound you for nine innings, relentless. Oh yeah. Dude. And it's it's really neat to see at the professional level. And um, it's crazy it fires too. Me up. Yeah, it's because they're having fun, man. Like every guy on that team is having the time in their life. And that's why I like they don't care who their opponent is, honestly. And I don't even think they care if they like win a championship. You know, like I mean, obviously they want to win, but like they're like, we want to go out there and just win a, a baseball game. You know what I mean? They're not really thinking about the big picture, it seems like this whole playoffs because they've been the underdog. They're like, we're just gonna get to the next game and we're gonna play every game like it's our last and um, take advantage of this opportunity and it's proven to be the successful way to approach it. Um, and I think that's why you see a lot of teams that like, look at the Yankees this year, look at the Mets, look at the Braves. They had all these high expectations on them and it's like you fall short, but um, I, I couldn't be more excited, man. October baseball. Do you think they're going to be wearing the, uh, the earmuff hats 
Nope. No. Nah, yeah, I was going to say. I, well, if you remember, Jimmy was really the only one on the Phillies that wore that, Jimmy yeah. Rollins. And then it was all the Rays players, right? Mm, yeah. So I think, like, Jimmy was just that dude. Like, it didn't matter. He Like, you could think that he was cold, yeah. but he'd still dog you. I yeah. think, like, the Phillies, when they come back, are going to make it a thing. Like, none of us are fucking wearing that hat. Yeah. Like, if they got to wear that hat, they'll wear it, but we ain't wearing that shit. Dude, they're going to have to. There's going to be so cold. Houston's so hot right now. Yeah, Houston's oh, dude, still John. probably in the yeah in the eighties or nineties. Right Do we now. have like a alert button, like a um like a news alert, like a Houston weather those... alert? No, no, just like we need to drop in one of those alerts. So hopefully, oh. once this okay, gets posted, so Dom. Dom. Dun, 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 All right, what's your alert? Austin will be in the building for Game Three of the World Austin, Series. Let's fucking go! Let's go, baby! We're here! We're here! Ron and John's here. Haven't lost at home yet. Haven't five missed and zero. Haven't missed a game. At five and zero, I'll be there for game three. I'm hearing some rumblings about Taylor Swift singing the anthem because she sung the anthem game three in 2008 of the World Series. Oh yeah, I'm feeling good about that. I've heard rumblings about Callum Harris being there to sing the song on Callum the field Scott. after the Callum Scott after the game being on the field, singing the song live. Yeah. It could be an epic day, John. I got an email from Xfinity Live. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday next week, they're opening the doors at 12 p.m. The game's not till 8, and it's work day. So dude, my guess is the city's – there's no work. No work oh, will be dude, happening it's, next week. Yeah, there's going to be like Wawa's open, and that's it. Every other business will be closed. You can get fucking hoagies for Schwarberfest or nothing and like it. Um, but yeah, dude. So looking back, last time the Phillies were in the in the playoffs, we were freshmen in high school. Last time they were in the World Series, we were seventh graders. Um, wow. Lots changed since that time, and I want to kind of reflect on um, our life as Philadelphia Phillies fans. Let's go. I want to rattle off one one by one top three moments in Philadelphia Phillies history for you personally. Okay. So number one, obviously, two thousand eight. You know the world. The lid. So uh, I'd I'd ask you to get a little more specific. Yeah. You're saying the lidge last pitch. Yes. Um. That the the euphoria of that moment. Right. Oh, was unreal. We had never seen a championship before. No. And actually the and the only championship I'd ever won really that was that big was like Aston AA when mm-hmm. he played at Sun Valley and like that moment. Yeah. But like this was just like different, right? It was a different type of victory as a fan. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two would have Hold on, to wait, be, wait, 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 wait. What? We're going I get to do mine. I'm not letting you get three. Oh, we're doing pop up. We're doing we're pop up. Yeah, we're going back. I don't want you to steal one of mine. All right, what's your number one? I'm gonna I'm gonna follow you up with another 2008 moment, but it didn't happen. It happened on the field, but it didn't happen during a game. Do you know what I'm about to say? World fucking champions. Yeah. I was in school. I was one of those only kids that wasn't allowed to go to the no way. Phillies you championship parade. I was in school. I was, one of, I was one of three kids in my class, and we spent the entire day watching the parade. It was Why? on – 
Well, because I there was nobody I I okay. I wait, go here's with. a question. Serious. Why didn't I go with you? That's the question. Serious question. Serious question. You missed the Phillies parade in 08. Mm. You missed the Eagles parade in 17. Yeah. If the Phillies win the World Series, will you come to Philadelphia to take part in the parade? There's no question. There's no question. Third time's a charm, baby. I can't miss three. That's miss two. I miss two. I can't miss three. You have to take off work. So, so yeah. So are you? You know, are you going to be preemptively sending an email like, listen? If the Phillies happen to win this World Series, just wanted to let you know I will be attending that parade. Oh, if we win the World Series, I'm immediately going to text my boss and say, hey, I'm going to need one day off. And I don't know what it is yet because they haven't set the date for the parade, but it's going to be that day. And I will be there. I will not miss another parade. Um, You got to sleep here. You got to sleep here. Oh, I'll be here. Yeah, I'll I'll go to work the next day. We'll do a live episode. We'll do a live episode from the morning. Morning of... Yeah. All right. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So going back, Chase Utley, world fucking champions. That was on national tell, or maybe it was local television, but it was televised. And he said, fuck on TV in the middle of a school day for me. And I know that you're like, oh, well, it didn't happen in a game, blah, blah, blah. I think that moment defined our city. And we took a kid from California, Chase Utley, a little pretty boy. And we made him into a Philadelphian to the point where he's now cursing on live television. It, it summed up the whole spirit of Philadelphia sports in, in three words, world yeah. fucking champions. Nah, there's no doubt. That's a great one. That's a all great right. One. Number two for you, Ronnie. Number two for me. I mean, it has to be that Harper home run. I mean, I was there. I, uh, that I couldn't speak. Yeah. Like I couldn't believe that. So, and, and I'll pass it off to you after I say this, but I don't know in your experience, I've never seen someone where like someone comes up and he is such a superb talent that it's expected yeah. for him to do that in that moment. It's like, dude, you have to do it. You're expected to do it. And then to actually do it. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, but, but it, someone of that caliber, mm-hmm. you know that he was going up there and everyone in the stadium is going up there saying he has to hit a home run. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or like, he's just gonna, like, I remember like, saying like, <laughs> it, it was almost the same thing. Like all of us, including Bryce saw him walking to the plate and said, he's going to hit a home run right here. And then he did it. And then everybody went, how the fuck did he just do that? Right. Somehow we all, somehow we even Bryce said it too. Like he walked into the box and goes, I'm going to hit a home run. And then he gets back in the dugout. He goes, what the fuck just happened? Right. Think, it's like, I, I don't think that's ever happened. They, I may put it up there because we, we've all played the sport right? Yeah. to go up and say, I'm going to hit a home run in that type of moment. Usually you're going to press and not hit the home run. Like you're going to fly out. You're going to pop it up. You're going to roll it over. You're going to K swinging out of your shoes. And actually on top of it, he went oppo, which means he wasn't trying to do no. too much to hit the home run, but he knew he had to hit the home run. He's he like, dude, I got power. I'm going to square up a baseball here. That's it. But now that's a great number two. Honestly, like it's, it's hard to think about it as a historic moment because it was last week, but 
definitely will be seen as one of the most historic moments in Philly sports. Um, to take maybe the most improbable team this city's ever had to a championship. And it's it was one guy. It really was. It was one guy. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my number two moment, a little sentimental. So this is not gonna be a moment that sticks in the hearts of most people for the Phillies fans, but for me and I think you as well. Um, we had to be maybe eight or nine or ten years old. Um, and remember the Phillies used to sell those like six, seven game packages to go. Yes. So we had tickets and this was when they were selling out every fucking game. So you and your dad had tickets in the upper level and me and my dad had tickets right in front of Harry, the K's in left field. Yes. And they were like, do you remember this? They were like, um, Oh, you guys take the tickets down here and then we'll go sit up there. So me and you were like 10 or 11 sitting with in the thick of it with all the fans by ourselves going nuts. And I remember, I believe it was Pat Burrell at the time, hit an yeah. absolute nuke right in front of us and left, and we just went nuts. We were si- I'll never forget the dude. We're sitting next to some dudes who's like probably like 50-something now. Um, he was like in his 30s back then. Um, it was, yeah, that moment there of like, I assume what you felt was better being there for the playoffs, but that was probably, as a kid, one of my favorite moments um at the philly stadium yeah that was like was that opening day too it was i think it was opening day i think it was i think they had the jets like the flyover i remember like it was like it was a a day game yeah yeah it was good that was that was a um a very memorable moment for me for for the fills do we do that next year for opening day do we We just go sit in the crowd yeah we redo that I think, so we I think buy ourselves happens. nice tickets and we have our dads or, or we flip it. Like, Hey, you guys sit in left field. This Yeah. Time. We buy each our dad's tickets to sit next to each other somewhere and far away, from, room as far away from us field. as possible. We got you the nosebleeds. We're going to be sitting behind the dish. You guys are going to be in section 420. <laughs> oh my God. That's hilarious. All right, you go. Number three. Number three. This is tough. This is tough. Number three. I think it would have to be when Rollins got that hit off Broxton. Okay. I was at my house, and I remember – when he got that hit and shoot scored going nuts, we were running into the driveway at my parents' house and just doing sprints driveway, honking the horn, like another one of those, Holy shit. I can't fucking believe he just walked it off yeah. in the gap off Roxon. Um, I mean, there's a lot I could do for three, but I'm going to go with that one just cause I love the walk offs. Yeah. So I'll go with that. How about you? Um, I feel like I got to go one from this season now, since you had one. Um, so what do I do here? I mean, that Cardinals comeback was unbelievable. Game one Cardinals, eighth inning, five or six run eighth inning comeback. I was driving home from work with the, um, the game on the screen 
And like, how the fuck are we doing this right now? And that was coming off of like, if you guys listen to the podcast, we were shitting on the Phillies like a week before that because they had an epic slide to, um, to end the, uh, to end the regular season. And then we come out and we lay an egg in the first eight innings. Um, Wheeler pitched really well, but we just couldn't get the bats going. And then Gene Segura taps that single through the hole to give the team life. And then we just rally that really, that set the tone for this whole playoff. That one inning. Yeah. We haven't looked back after that one inning. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It was an unbelievable moment. Yeah, man. Dude, a lot of of great Phil's moments, even though we kind of (laughs) sucked 11 years of drought. Well, you know, and I'll give you credit for this. At the beginning of the playoffs, we went through, we talked about, um, because I think one episode I had said, Phillies have only made the playoffs like 15 times out of 100 something. Mm-hmm. And it was either later that episode or right after you said you did some of your own research and said, mm-hmm. yeah. But what was it out of the 15 times? Was it like 10 times they, they like made it? Seven. So, okay. So of the 14 times the Phillies had made the playoffs before <laughs> this year, seven times they had gone to the NLCS, four times they had gone to the World Series, and twice they had won it. So at that point, we're looking at the start of the playoffs. Like, if we're following our history, we got a 50-50 shot of getting to the getting to the NLCS right now. Yeah. And then um, once you get there, it was another 50% chance you make it to the World Series. Yeah. And then so, now it, so now we're at another 50% chance we win the whole yeah. thing. Right now, what are we <laughs> looking at? We're looking at 8 for 15 now, so a little over 500 to get to the NLCS. We're looking at 5 for 9. Or no, five, five for five eight. for five for eight. So Which over, is really good. Over fifty percent when we make it to the NLCS, that we win it, and now if we win again, we're, be, what, we're three for five, three for five series. in the World Series. Those are pretty good numbers. I like our pretty odds. Good. I like our odds. I I think they're good. I think, I think they're going to win the World Series. Um, yeah, dude, I, there's the quote that we, that we reposted on Twitter, I think summed it up the best where it said that the Astros are the big sign that says, you're not going to pass us. Um, like don't enter here because we're the best team ever in like assembled in baseball. And the Phillies are just dumb enough to not be able to read the sign and just fucking plow their head right through it. Yeah. And I mean, that's the most beautiful synopsis of what it means to be a Philly sports fan that I've ever heard. And now our team has embodied that. The entire city has that. I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to run until something stops me. And now the actual players are buying into that vibe. And I think it's not just the Phils, man. I think the Eagles are bought in too. I think they have that type of that type of mentality. It's like, we don't care who we're playing, we can't read, and we're going to fucking keep going until somebody stops us, and we're not going to worry about who it is. No doubt. And that was the mantra of um, Hungry Dogs Run Faster. Oh, yeah. Right? And the mantra of uh, what Sirianni says, he has that fucking dog dog quote he uses, right? Reiterate it for the fans. I'm trying to think about what he has another dog, like uh dog mentality. 
Yeah. That's what he calls it. Dog mentality. Just like, yeah. you're so fucking stupid. You, yeah. you have no memory. Mm-hmm. All you think about is in the moment. So what happened yeah. before, after, you can't remember. Mm-hmm. It's just. Yeah. Win the moment. Win oh. the moment. But yeah, I was, I mean, going back to Sirianni too, he's got Jalen Hurts um, on this idea of play to our standard. And I love that. It's like, we're not concerned with what team we're playing and how they operate. We play to our standard. And even if we win on the scoreboard, we're only satisfied if we meet our expectations. Um, And that's a dangerous mindset to have for any opponent that's going to come across our way. Um, Well, especially when your leader acts that way, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's one thing to say it, but he does it. He, 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 his actions show it. Mm -hmm. And then he reiterates it like after every game, like his first message is like, it's not fucking good enough. Yeah. Like, and then he'll finish with, but we're going to celebrate it. But like, this still ain't good enough. Yeah. Not there. Yeah. Expect to be perfect. It's, yep. It's, it's awesome. And it's like, it's, I, I don't know if I've ever felt that from the teams here. And it's like, you look at the Sixers now, and I know you want to, go off. I know we said we weren't going to talk about it until after the world series, but I think we have to, um, they don't at all have that mentality except for Tyrese Maxey. You might want to put a helmet and shoulder pads on him, stick him out fucking with the, with the birds because he fits better with those guys than he does anybody on our team. But, um, do you think that this sort of cult, like this loser culture that we have right now for the 76ers, does that start with Doc? Does that start in the front office? Is that from our players? What's the what's the adjustment we have to make to get out of this funk? I hate to say this, but I think it it's the process. Really? The process in There's general or the process is player. in the process? There's only one player left on this roster. From the process. Through the process. When you fucking lose on purpose – for four years okay it's very hard and you see it in his and i love the guy but you see it in his body language you see how he carries himself when shit hits the fan it isn't i'm gonna stand up and fight it's this yeah it's that and when your best player does that that is so hard to overcome Mm -hmm. and you see it now with Simmons, right? He's in a new system. He's worse than he was with us. Yeah. He's fucking horrible. He, Doncic put a 30 burger on him right now tonight. They're one and three. Ben has seven points. He airballed a finger roll layup. He's getting mocked. Got yelled at by Kyrie last night. He can't play defense no more. And he's just a turtle. He's a shell. Yeah. Right. I think this is a rooted problem with the Sixers. And as much as like, I thought I understood the concept of the process. And like a lot of old timers kept saying, you can't fucking lose on purpose. Like this mm-hmm. is, this isn't how you do it. And everyone was yes. like, ah, like they're just being old grouchy, like mm-hmm. Philly media. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Stephen A. Smith, Howard asking all these guys like that. Nah, we're fucking right. Like you can't lose on purpose. And then when it's time to go, think that your players understand what it's going to take to win. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who they bring in. Like, Bro, they brought in P.J. Tucker from the Heat, right? Mm-hmm. 
he looks horrible. He looks disinterested. Really? He don't give a fuck. He's going through the motions. He can't the whole shoot. team kind of does, dude. Floor. So they bring in these guys like they talk after the season. Oh, we lost to the Heat because we weren't tough enough. We need to have more toughness. We need to be strong. We need to be grittier. And so they're like, all right, we're going to get P.J. Tucker. He's the greatest of them all. He comes here, just conforms. He just yeah. conforms to the way that this team is. Yeah. So it's the culture, right? And I can assure you, as fucked up as this sounds, if they woke up tomorrow and John B was traded for five players and three first-round picks, and the GM walked in and said, you're next if you don't fucking mm-hmm. clean it up, I wonder what would happen. Yeah, I'd venture to say they're not going to do that, Mm. right? So they're going to have to fire the coach. But there has to be a whole new mindset. Like, Doc, don't have him fucking practice. Like, they need to get someone in there. It's like, you're going to, Joel, you're going to run till you fucking puke, pal. Yeah. Okay? Because you came in out of shape again for the seventh straight year. So you're just going to run until you puke. Case in point, and we haven't talked about him at all, the Flyers. The Flyers were the worst team in the NHL. Let me check how they're doing right now. They're, they're one, one. three in the they're oh, four shit. to three. Yeah, they they're do. They're four like and two on the year because they brought in John Tortorella. Okay. Italian. That guy's a Hall of Flame Hall of Fame hockey coach. And he is as nasty as it fucking gets. And I don't I don't know much about hockey, John, but when they brought him in, okay, they did a thing and our fans, they should go check out what he did. Mm-hmm. He put him through a training camp. He ran these guys. Yeah. Every day of training camp, just sprints. I don't even think they, he said they didn't even work on a system. He named no captain. He has no captain on the hockey rink right now. He said, we I like a leader. It. And he said, he comes out to the media. His player on the bench wasn't a, he, the last game. They lost the game third period. He cut he, the guys who he told like four or five guys, you're not playing in the third period. You're, you're not playing good enough fucking bench on the rest of the game and he talks so candidly and he's just like my job is to set a standard here and and i love his message and it's just i need to find out who i want to bring on the bus with me mm-hmm. who wants who's good at who's good can come on the bus yeah and that's all he's finding out right now who 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 wants to come fight who am i bringing to the fight and the Sixers don't have that no. They don't know who they want to bring to the fight. They don't find out who's got that in them. And that's the difference. It's sport. It's competition. You got to find the guy you can go to battle with. Yeah. And I don't know your thoughts, John, but I don't think the time that we've been watching the Sixers, whether it was Brett or Doc, they've ever had somebody who has found out truly who the guys are you can bring to the fight. Dude, I'd argue that Brett was that guy. Brett was – Brett was – Brett was a great coach, except for when when the game started. Like everything besides that's important. No, I understand that. But I'm saying we need a guy like Brett off the court, right? Where we're working hard in practice, right? We're getting our fundamentals done. Joel Embiid played his best basketball when Brett Brown was his was his head coach. Now this guy couldn't manage a game for shit. I disagree. I disagree completely. Dude, and I'm not saying bring back Brett Brown. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that Doc is the problem. You think I Joel mean, you just played his best under Brett? He played his hardest. The numbers, he played the his numbers hardest. Indicate Let me, I, I he's misspoke. been an MVP candidate I, under Doc. Time out. I misspoke. I misspoke. He played his toughest. He played his heart out under Brett. 
I think he played he had better numbers and his performance was better with a couple of years under Doc in his MVP run. But in terms of his tenacity and his his anger and his toughness and his grittiness, he was much more gritty under under Brett. Um and people might say, Ari, right, he's just being becoming a more refined player. But like Giannis won a championship and he's still a dog. Right. He never got let the, the lights get to him. He never changed as a player. He's like, I'm balls to the wall every play. And honestly, dude, like you said, you look at every other coach in this city, right? From Sirianni to the Flyers coach to, to uh Tortorella to um uh Philly Rob. Thompson. Yeah. Thompson. Thompson. Yep. Rob Thompson. All of those coaches have all been a large reason why they those teams are being successful. And our team is not successful, and it's really because Doc is just not good. And it really brings me back to last year when they were interviewing him after we got eliminated from the playoffs, and they asked him if he was worried about his job security. And he said, no, I'm doing a great job. We just got to play better. Like, even if that was the case, that's not how you answer that question. You're the leader of the team, right? You need to put everything on your back, and then when you're in private – you talk, all right, you, all right, guys, we need to fucking pick it up. But he hasn't done anything to help these guys pick it up. He hasn't pushed them to play hard. He hasn't inspired them at all. He hasn't set them up with any confidence in their own games, right? Like, like they get out there, and it's still the same thing like it was with Brett, where you're, you're like, you go down the court, and they don't know what to do with the ball. How did, like, every other team in basketball, yeah. they take the ball down the court, and they look like they're, like, moving with a purpose. Everybody's doing their job. We walk down the court and it's like, everyone's like, do I get the ball? We don't you, cut. you get the ball. We don't cut. To the we best. don't cut. We don't move. Like we don't do anything. It's like, they're like in last place. They, they, they have two plays. So before with Brett, we had the fucking ring around the Rosie. Yeah. Right. The, 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 handoff that actually might've been the only, do we have an, I think that was the only play actually. I think it was just the handoffs. <laughs> handoffs. And nice. Big shot Bob in the corner. That was yes. it. Now the Sixers have they've they've gone to two plays outside mm-hmm. of the isolation. They either run a pick and roll, so two guys move, everyone else stands there, or their favorite of all, four out, where they just have four guys standing at a three point line. They throw it to him, beat in the middle, and he either has to score, or if he passes it to someone, they're just going to stand there and they have to make the shot. Yeah, and they just but double us so easy because no- nobody moves. We're stagnant. Correct. There's no movement. So when we get into a playoff series, the other team, all they have to plan for is they already know where all the shooters are because they don't move. Yeah. So wherever they double from, they just check where he's typically likes to pass the ball, mm-hmm. and they'll just move that defender there. Yeah, Beetle throw it because he's not good at pump faking and thinking on his feet. He's not a, a he's not a passer like joking. He's not good like that. Mm. Pass the basketball. So when they double. He'll, he'll have the tendency to either pass it to the wrong guy and get it stolen, or he'll try and dribble through two people and they just t- steal it from him. Yeah. And then I get mad at him because I'm like, he's turning it over. And it's just the fucking cycle never ends. And I didn't want to get into this. Here's the, I, I can't talk about that anymore. Here's what I'll say the Sixers have two weeks. Okay. You got the Phillies playoffs this week and the Eagles, and then it's going to get a little bit longer. You got the following week. Hopefully a parade, if not like finishing up talking about yeah. the Phillies, 
Eagles have that Thursday night game next Thursday. So they have this, this week, next week, and then maybe a little bit of the following. There's a parade. That's it. Like if, if it's not figured out by then, the one thing I have faith in is that because we know what it feels like to win right now, the city, they're not going to accept the losing and we're going to be able to sniff it out a little bit better. So yes. if we're going to the game, it's going to be a little bit easier for us to be like, this isn't what we saw with the, with the Phillies and it's not yeah. what we see with the Eagles. Something's wrong here mm-hmm. and they're going to hold them accountable and it's going to be loud booze. It's going to be asking people's jobs. It's going to be asking people to get traded. It's going to, it's going to put pressure on the organization to do something, yeah. which will be good. So I got one more, I got one more question for you regarding the Sixers and then we're going to move on. Yeah. Yeah. This season we had the, the departure of Michael Rubin from the, the Sixers ownership. Do you think that's had at all an effect on our caliber of play out there? I can't say that because he's still a part of it. He's still there. When I went to the opener, he rang the bell and was sitting courtside and like, he just, he's, he's not formally an owner anymore, but Mm -hmm. like he's still there and active in terms of with the players on the team. Yeah. I guess I'm asking, do you think there was more going on behind the scenes that he was doing as an owner that we didn't see to make this team function better? I mean, I think there's a, there's definitely an issue happening right now. Clearly something's wrong. Now, could it be that Michael Rubin, because he was around all the time, he assisted in building team camaraderie and chemistry Mm -hmm. by having parties and getting the guys together, paying for their dent, like Mm -hmm. just doing things that builds brings teams together it could be or just even even being around the building and having that chance to watch them at all i've watched them a little bit but dude i can't watch more than two quarters of them they make me sick i i think that like i i think that something's wrong like not just like so it's either one of two things from the body language i see on the court they're either mad at Embiid the players or they're pissed off at, at Harden, but something's not right between Embiid and Harden. There's a, there's a disconnect in this roster because you see the body language of the players, the other, everyone else, like that when Embiid does something, he ain't high five and Harden. Harden ain't yeah. high five in him. There is, there, so there's a disconnect between these two. And it's, I think it's, the only way this season going to be success is those guys like they need to be sat down. Like, yeah, you guys ain't one shit. Well, they need to they need to be given the blueprint of how to operate with two stars in the court, right? You need you need your coach to step up in that moment and go, listen, I know this is an odd situation and you guys haven't experienced it before because really hard and it didn't work out with the Nets, and that was the, really the only scenario where he was like with a star. Right, it didn't work out with Mello and Chris Paul in uh, in Houston. Right, Oklahoma right. City, he was with Durant and them, and he got got cut or got traded before they could ever get to a, or make or win a championship. So it seems like it seems like every time he's been in the scenario, it's been a struggle for him, and it's just because I don't think he's had the right guidance. I mean, he, they need they need somebody at the head coach to give them the confidence to go out there and have a plan because it's a lot every night when you're like, all right, this team rests on my shoulders. 
I just am going to get the ball and make a play. It's like when things aren't going your way, because it's so hard to do that. You look at the other superstar on the court when you're like, well, give me some, give me some help. Like, like you're a superstar too. You're supposed to be making plays just as much as I am. And Embiid's thinking the same thing. He's like, dude, I'm getting doubled every fucking play. They, I got nowhere to throw the ball. Nobody's moving. And you're expecting me to make all these shots like Harden. Like, like I'm not the only superstar here. You got to make a play too. And then you just have these attitudes where they're both just insecure about what their role is. And the whole team breaks down. And that's on Doc. Like, that's on Doc Rivers. Um, so I think yes, he, if, if we want to see any success, he's got he's to get the fuck out of here. I mean, there was no... There was no other reason the Clippers should not have been to or won a finals with the amount of star power they had on that team. There's no reason. I mean, you had Chris Paul, legendary point guard, Blake Griffin, who was one of the best players in the league at the time, and then DeAndre Jordan, who led the league in shooting percentage, was a dunk and block machine. And JJ. You had you had who? JJ and Reddick and his You had JJ Reddick in there. You had Jamal Will six man. You had Jamal Crawford coming off the bench. Both too. Of them. It's like, it's like what? Like what? What else did you want, Doc? How many more players could we give you? I mean, shit, he only won one ring. He had Rondo, Pierce, and Garnett, and only won once. And you don't think Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen? Excuse me, and Ray yeah. Allen. But I'm saying you don't think Kevin Garnett was like setting the tone for that team. Doc probably was just there along for the ride. Kevin Garnett was the whole heart and soul of that. It's yeah. like, and and he was younger. He was a little bit better back then when he was a young yeah. coach. But all right, yeah, it's gonna just... be tough. So listen, I wanted to to run this by you real quick. I got uh, Widener Baseball. Shout out to boys. They mm-hmm. follow the pod. They love the Epstein piece. They talked about it today at practice. Yeah, that was I don't... a big hit. <laughs> We're gonna get that back into Epstein. Chip. So so they loved it. No, but we have our. Uh, a Halloween softball game last fall practice with the boys tomorrow sna- uh, snags and going to practice. It's going to be a great day. Costume. I don't know what to wear. Ooh, do you want an easy one or do you want a, like a funny one? What do you look? I mean, it for? has to be easy. I don't, I, I just need something to wear. So you could be, are you playing or are you just coaching? No, I'm just, I'm just hanging out. We're getting so cheesesteaks. A good, a good one that I did for my office party this week was Jake from state farm. Easy. Print out a name tag with the State Farm logo, write Jake on it, and um, and wear uh, like a red polo with khakis. There you go. At the, at the field, though. Yeah, but everyone's going to be wearing a costume. They're all yeah, going to be. That, if, but they're like nice khakis. I'm going to get them dirty. Well, wear a pair of shitty khakis. I don't have any. Well, make a pair of your shitty pair. All right, I'll have to do something. About that. I don't know what else could you do. You could be fucking. Um, it's hard. You could be. You're you're really running late here because then you you can't go out and get anything. Now, I could wear a bag on my head. <laughs> and be what? Six or, or you could be Sirianni. Do you have like a headset? You could wear Eagles pullover and and or Eagles polo and 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 or pullover and sweatpants and a visor and you got to just get a headset with a mic. <laughs>